Happy Sunday, Tampa Bay. We're with you for another week here on the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show, talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market like we are every Sunday at 10 o'clock. Make sure when we aren't on air, you're following us at our socials at the Duncan Duo. I had a really funny one, uh, a funny reel put on the Duncan Duo Instagram and TikTok this week about buyers uh, buying a car right before yes, closing. I saw that. Yeah. So, so, uh, so interestingly enough, we, um, we always put out cool, fun, creative content. So if you aren't following us, make sure to follow us at the Duncan Duo, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Joined by Mike Corgan with Cross Country Mortgage. I'm Andrew Duncan of the Duncan Duo and, and going to lead the show today with something that a lot of people will start noticing over the next few months as they get, uh, as their properties get reassessed for taxes, as their insurance rates go up. We um, we get calls, and you do too, Mike, from people who say, why is my mortgage payment going up? I had a fixed rate, exactly. and my mortgage payment is going up, and I'm mad, and I'm going to call my lawyer, and all that angry stuff, right? So what are the typical reasons why someone's going to get a notice and their mortgage payment is going up? Yeah, so um, first of all, every year, uh, mortgage companies are required to do an escrow analysis if you escrow for your taxes and insurance. And so they're required to take a look at it, make sure everything is in balance. And so a lot of times what happens, as you mentioned, as insurance rates have gone up, as tax rates have gone up, as we've talked about numerous times on the shows, prices of homes are going up. So therefore, the tax man comes along and assesses at a higher value, pay a higher level of taxes. And so they take a look at what is the new insurance rate, what are the new tax rates, and then they they make sure that they figure it out so that when you pay your monthly payment each month that you're going to be able to cover it the next time that bill comes due. Yep. And one of the biggest things that where sometimes people see a rather large jump, we have something here in Florida called Save Our Homes, which caps the amount when you're a homeowner, it caps the amount your property taxes can go up each year. Yep. So if you buy a home from somebody that maybe have lived in the home for 15 or 20 years or 10 years, whatever it may be, their taxes may have been being capped for the last 10 years as taxes have gone up. Well, when you bought that home for them or when that home you know, changes owners, it reassesses at what the new tax value is. And all that protection they got from Save Our Homes goes away. Um, and so you may see a larger jump that's going to be there. A fun fact, and a lot of people don't know this, if you sold a home in Florida and you moved to a new home, you can actually, it's called portability. You can take your low basis with you to the new house. Correct. Yeah. So if you've been in a house for 10 years and you've been capped and saved you know, 50000 you can take that to the new no, home with your I, new you know, homestead. And it, this, brings up a real, this brings up a really good point because I've had Bob Enriquez, the Hillsborough County property appraiser, on the show a couple times. And and uh, the, the save our homes, the portability, the homestead exemption, all these things are all things throughout Florida. Um, you know, there, it's not just the Hillsborough County thing, right. it's a Florida thing, but I think it'd be good to have him on the show. I'll try and reach out and see if we can get him back on the show again. Cause I think he brings a, a different level yeah, of knowledge about sure. all the understanding. Another, another thing, another reason why people's, um, you know, payments go up, their taxes go up. They didn't file their homestead exemption. Okay. Right. That, that's another one, you know, like we, we reach out every year. We, we, you know, we, we do everything we can to let people know and remind them to file for their homestead exemption because if they don't. Um, so your your payment's going to go up as your taxes go up because you're, if you're escrowing your mortgage and taxes, some people don't escrow. Right. If they've put enough money into the transaction that the lender doesn't require or if their cash 
you know, cash purchasers. But but nonetheless, you're going to have, um, you know, a tax increase. So every year your payment's going to go up because your taxes are going to go up. It's just a matter of how much. Right. If your homestead exemption, it's capped at like 3%. So right. you're going to see a very nominal increase. If you don't homestead, I want to say it's a 10, I believe it's a 10%. You can go up 10% a year. So your taxes could go up from 5000 to 5500 or from 10000 to 11000 So you could see a substantial increase in that with, with just your property taxes. But, but one of the big ones right now that a lot of people aren't paying attention to is when you escrow your taxes and insurance, your taxes are, uh, besides filing your homestead exemption, your taxes really aren't anything you can control. You're going to get whatever comes in with your taxes. That's what you're going to get. And your payment's going to go up. Insurance is another one. People will say, oh, it just comes out of my mortgage payment. But in reality, your bank isn't paying that out of a gratuity. They're not paying that out of the greatness and you know specialness of their heart. You're paying for it in your mortgage payment. They're simply taking enough money out of your mortgage payment, adding enough to your mortgage payment, excuse me, to cover the insurance. And they hold the money in an escrow account in a balance. And if that balance comes low, then they increase your payment to cover it. Or if your insurance or taxes come in lower than they uh, estimated, then they increase your payment. So you're paying for it regardless. The difference is you're just not cutting a separate check for it. So a lot of people will make the mistake of saying, oh, I don't need to quote my insurance. It comes out of my mortgage payment. Well, when it goes from 1400 to 2400 and then you get noticed that your mortgage payment went up, it wasn't your mortgage payment really that went up. Right. It was your insurance that went up. So, you know, uh, you know, we, we have an insurance agency partner. Uh, we insure Tampa Bay. Uh, we insure thebay.com. If your insurance goes up or if you simply want to shop your insurance, go check it out again. We insure thebay.com. Uh, we get a great team of people that have a lot of real estate experience. Um, so, so we're we're constantly looking for A-rated carriers to replace carriers that increase your rates or increase rates across Florida with other A-rated companies that also uh, operate in Florida but but charge less because their risk threshold, because they have a better underwriting policy, because they didn't have as many claims. You know, look, insurance companies look at risk differently. It's why when you shop auto insurance, and you can do the same thing with We Insure the Bay. You know, we we can we can help you with auto insurance too. But but there are different companies that have different policies. And, you know, so if you get a huge rate increase, don't just take it, call us, let us shop it. There, there may be an opportunity for us to say, Hey, you can save money and you can get your mortgage payment right back down again right. with the same coverage or uh, maybe even lower, or, you know, maybe you, you split the difference. Maybe your insurance went up to 2,500, you were at 15, but a new carrier can get you at two. So, so nonetheless, um, a lot of people, when they get those increases, they, they they have options. They can they can get their payment back down, but they've got to they've got to shop on insurance and they've got to make sure they filed their homestead exemption on taxes. Yeah, one other thing I wanted to mention too, where you could see a large increase, and it, it's back to the taxes. But if you bought a brand new build home, yeah, 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 that's where it's you taxed can, as land only. Right? Yeah. yeah, the original year it was just taxed as land, but now there's this structure. It's been deemed it's as reassessed livable. as a house. Yeah, right. And now so it went from just the value of the land to the entire house. That's where you can see some big increases. Yeah, you could you could have taxes that. You could have taxes that were like six hundred dollars because it was just a lot, right. and now it's four grand. And the good news about Florida and all the counties around in the surrounding areas is they have a very good tax estimator on the tax assessor and on the appraiser assessor's yeah. office, where you can plug these things in, and it'll kind of yeah, figure out what it's. We get be. we get those questions all the time. Yeah. When we coach and teach our agents like, look, we're not we're not tax professionals. We're not the tax appraiser's right. office. You know, you you need to go to their website and plug in your data, and then they'll tell you the millage with the you know you can you can figure all that out. But the reality is, is that a lot of times they ask us, well, what are my taxes going to be? We don't, we don't know. Right. Like, the, you know, the, the, the one other thing a lot of people don't understand, and we get this a lot, um, you know, taxes are in arrears. 
Yeah. So basically like, you know, 2022 taxes are based on 2021 sales, you know, and vice versa. So 2021 taxes were based on sales in 2020. You might've had a sale a month before you closed in your house, but they're not using that in the assessment for your taxes. So it's, it's really, it's really kind of confusing. A lot of people don't understand how it all works. And then there's, you know, exemptions and, and there's school exemptions and there's homestead exemptions. And then another one that gets missed a lot. I mean, there are exemptions for widows or exemptions for disabled uh, veterans, veterans yeah. widows of disabled veterans. So yes. again, if, um, you know, I'll, I'll get I'll get Bob back on the show because he covers a lot of this stuff. But there are people out there, uh, including people in my own family back a decade plus ago, that didn't know about some of these exemptions right. and, and reduced their tax bill dramatically. You know, you know, veteran things like that. So so nonetheless, um, you know, if you get a mortgage payment increase, it's likely one of those things. Now, there are rare circumstances. There's one more. There's a rare circumstance that could cause your mortgage payment to increase. if You have an adjustable rate mortgage. Right. Um, you know, th- those happen. They're rare. You don't see a lot of them. It isn't like a decade ago where we saw a ton of them, but but they're out there. Yeah, and now what you're seeing is when we've talked about rates have started to go up and everything else, you probably, even if you've had an adjustable rate, you haven't experienced this in the last five now it's years because rates up. are going down. Right. Right. Well, if rates turn the other way and start going up, you may start seeing some increases that are there. The good news is most people, I mean, very small single-digit percentages have taken adjustable rate mortgages in the past several yeah. years because they just didn't make sense to yeah. take. Yeah. Um, so there's not a lot of them that are out there, but that yeah. is, if you do have an adjustable rate, you could see an increase. Yeah, and and I think in that same token, uh, people with home equity lines are credit. Yes. So people that can confuse those with a mortgage and call them a mortgage and and they are, but they're but they're different. Home equity lines of credit are typically going to be, you know, adjustable. They're not going to be as fixed. They're going to adjust. So you're you could see an increase with a, a rate increase. Right. And a lot of times those are tied to the prime rate. So you'll see they'll, they'll adjust those as soon as the Fed, you know, changes rates and everything else. You'll see notices come out and they can, you know, move a lot quicker than some of the, you know, adjustable rate mortgages usually can only adjust once or twice a year. And it's set in a contract where it's usually not that way with home equity. Lines yeah. And we always advise people to be prepared. I mean, we do the best we can to tell people to be prepared that, you know, in, especially if you bought new construction, you know, your, your mortgage payment's going to go up a little bit if your taxes and insurance go up. And technically, the portion of the money that goes towards, you know, principal and interest, if you have a fixed rate, isn't changing. It's yes. it's the escrow items that are changing. Right. You know? And that's why it's important to talk to a, a mortgage professional that can explain all these things yeah. to you. And so that you understand it. Yeah, you can get taxes just on the land that cost you $30 a month, but that's not what it's yeah. going to be next and year. And I'm a huge advocate when you can and when you're putting down enough money or, you know, if you're a cat, I'm a huge advocate of not escrowing, but I understand lenders want to cover the, you know, the little CYA. They want to make sure that those things are getting paid because they don't want the tax. They don't want Hillsborough County to foreclose on a house because unpaid taxes. And they, they don't want to have some major claim without insurance. And then they get stuck with a house that's got a bunch of damage. So, but in a lot of instances, when you're escrowing, you're in some instances giving the lender a, um, you know, an interest-free loan right. to, you know, make, to pay bills for you. Well, and yeah. so be, to make sure that you're responsible enough to pay bills. So if you typically, I think it's 20%, if someone puts down 20%, they can opt to, with some lenders, they can yeah, opt they can out. Op- it's actually up to 10% or more down. Okay. That, that you can, you're going to pay a little bit of a fee to Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac to be able right. to do so. Um, but under, you know, over 10% down, you can wa- waive escrows if yeah. you want to. Usually, all the time below 20, you know, 20% or down or more, um, you you can you do can it. Wave it. But yeah. if you're putting three or five or seven percent, sometimes down, you can, but you be may required. pay a fee because because the, the other part of it is for me is that then you don't get this confusion. You don't have the the because again, lenders 
uh, love y'all, but you're not great at estimating taxes and insurance because you're not the tax assessor's office and you're not insurance agents. You guys do the best you can, but the reality is, is sometimes those estimates come way off and then it, and it throws someone into you know, a, a kind of a financial, you know, challenge when that, that increase shows up. Yeah. And it, just as a side note for an FHA loan or a VA loan, you're required by yeah. to, yeah. to escrow the, regardless yeah. of how much and money that's, you that's put down. And that's just a typical, typical, yeah, a very typical thing that they're doing to make sure that there, there's no default. So anyway, we're going to continue our conversation. We'll talk more about uh, everything going on in uh, Tampa Bay real estate after a quick break here on the Duncan Duo Show. So back here on the Duncan Duo Show talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market, Andrew Duncan joined by Mike Corrigan with Cross Country Mortgage. So Zillow doesn't have the greatest track record with their data. Um, you know, they 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 bought houses and then fi- <laughs> figured out that they didn't know what the hell they were doing. So they got out of it and dumped them. And But now, but now, they claim that Tampa is the number one real estate market in the country in 2022. Yes. And they're right about that one. Yes. You know, we're going we're, we're, we're to celebrate. They got the data right on Tampa. Uh, so, so I did see that this week. And look, we've talked about this so many times on this show. If you're someone that's a skeptic of what's happening in Tampa real estate, understand that our real estate market is going to be healthy for a long time. Uh, prices are rising. People are moving here. J- job sector growth, wage growth. No storms uh, in this past hurricane season. No state income tax. Um, the best governor in the world. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, maybe, sort of. Because um, I don't know about the world. Like, you know, governors or maybe the best governor on the planet. How about that? There you go. Anyway, uh, we get a lot of people moving here because of COVID, too. People are like, I'm tired of the restrictions. I'm tired of masks. I'm tired of, you know, having to show a card. So again, all these things are bringing people here, and it's just continuing to fuel uh, a very healthy, um, you know, and prosperous real estate market. But the one statistic we were both, Mike, we were both a little concerned about is Zillow estimated that home values in Tampa could rise twenty four percent. Now we haven't seen we've seen appreciation the last few yes. years. I mean, we've seen some neighborhoods have seen that much, but across the board in Tampa, that's a big stretch. I don't know if we're going to see that. Um, I would love to see that. I mean, that would be incredible for for you know for the market, uh, but maybe not in the long term. But but nonetheless, that's a robust number that that yeah, again, uh, Tampa number one real estate market in 2022. But 24 percent appreciation, we might have to question Zillow's data again. Yeah, and I'm not sure where they came up. I mean, that's a that's a high number. That's super robust and everything else. I'm not sure. I know the case Shiller that came out in December had Tampa at like 1.7 or 1.8 for the month. Back to November, I'm not sure if they took that and you know multiplied by 12 and added a little bit. And yeah. Just said that's our so, prediction. So interestingly or what, enough, I have a couple of companies that that actually call me every month, um, you know, and and ask me questions about what's going on in real estate, just because the amount of business we do, and and so I do some consulting with them, and they're always bringing me data and asking me questions and reviewing things. So I'm always reviewing the stats with them. So sure. I'm very very in touch with the stats, and we've seen some record breaking years. Yes. In the last years, but 24% annual appreciation um, is 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 pretty aggressive. That that you know, I don't. I mean, that would put us by next year. The average sale price in Tampa by the end of the year is going to be approaching five hundred thousand dollars. I don't know if I see that, but again, with the way things are rising, with how many people are moving here, you never. You know, maybe we will. But it, but it does seem like a very robust number that. Um, that that I think is um, is is going to be hard to keep up with. I, I could see high teens. Twenty four percent is is probably a stretch in my opinion, but maybe 
Maybe Zillow got it right. Maybe we'll be proven yeah, wrong. Yeah, you know, in December, we'll have to look back, at, you know, on this clip of this show or this segment and see, you know, if we were right or wrong or, or what it's going to be. Nonetheless, it's still going to be another very robust year in real estate yeah. in Tampa Bay. There's no you, doubt about that. And I come here and I go to hockey games and I go to Armature Works. I go to the beach. I go to our restaurants. And, and man, it, it's... You know, our, our climate's great. And and again, are we seeing more and more people here? Yes. Is it congesting things a little bit? Yes. But I also see a lot of infrastructure work happening. Yes. I see roads getting paved. I see uh, power lines getting buried. The Howard Franklin get, Bridge progress. I get, is... Yeah. I mean, I see stuff happening that makes me feel more confident that we can handle, that our infrastructure can handle the population growth. But, you know, every time that I get a little frustrated, whether it's traffic on 275 or coming back on the Gandhi when I really want to street race. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, when I'm coming back on the Gandhi and it's and it's congested. Um, you know, I, I think back of the time I've spent in New York. And so I was just there. Um, I went to New York during the holidays and uh, went for a few days, had a great time. But uh, the congestion that people talk about here pales in comparison to the congestion there and that's after losing a lot of population so we still have a lot of room for people tons of it tons of room for people i always say people ask about traffic in tampa and i said it depends where you come from so i come from cleveland i think traffic here is horrible because it's not as bad as near cleveland but if you're coming from atlanta dc new york la la LA, you know san diego they think traffic here is wonderful right yeah so it's all it's all relative on where you come and i think it also depends on you know where you're traveling to and from right if you're somebody that's going against the the rush hour then it's not as big a deal you know, like I, I, um, I used to live, uh, I live in South Tampa now, my office in South Tampa. So I'm, I'm really close to the studio here, but I, but I used to commute from close to West Chase and that was a bear and it has gotten even worse. However, they're widening these, they're doing things right. Right. However, so, so if at five o'clock or six o'clock, um, you're coming into downtown, like, let's say you live downtown and work in West Chase, you're probably not going to have too many problems. You know, if you work in South Tampa and, you know, so, so, or yeah. So if you're working against the grain, then it can work for you, you yes. know, but, but again, uh, to each their own on the traffic. And it obviously depends on where you're from, but Tampa real estate market, best in the country in 2022, massive appreciation growth, continued increase in sales and continue to see, you know, prosperous and profitable, um, you know, real estate numbers coming out that I think will continue throughout the year. So we're back. We're going to continue our conversation after a quick break here on the Duncan Duo Show. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo Show talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market. And uh, home staging is something that uh, a lot of home sellers ask real estate agents about. And when there is a, uh, a hot real estate market, uh, home staging gets, um, you know, kind of skimped on sometimes. People choose not to do it. They figure they have enough equity they, um, you know, they choose not to spend the money because homes are selling at record pace in the neighborhood. And unfortunately, it's a mistake a lot of the time because they're not factoring in the increase in price that they would get from staging. Now, yep. it's not right for everyone. There are plenty of homes that don't need it. However, uh, is your home going to sell today with a market as hot as it is? If it's priced well and advertised well, is it going to sell today without staging? Probably. However, the question becomes is, will you gain a return on investment from your investment into staging costs uh, and a higher price on your home? And the statistics say clearly that you do. The, but again, there are a lot of people that don't want to wait for the time to get the stager to do the work, to shop for the stuff, to put stuff in there, because every home is unique. People think that home stagers just walk in and 
they know exactly what furniture to put in the house and they've got it in their car. You know, yeah. <laughs> a home stager walks into a house and they've got a shop. They're going to find the right things. It can take a couple weeks to properly stage a house to declutter. People don't realize how much crap they have in their house. Yes. It's it, it really, you, you, you know, like I'm a, I mean, I will tell you, I do realize cause I'm in the business and I am super like meticulous, neat freak. Like I am very like minimalist. However, there are a lot of people that are not, and they have tons of stuff cluttered in boxes and this and that, and you know, their doll collection and their NASCAR collection and you know, all these things. Right. So, the reality is, is that if you're going to stage your home, the first step is decluttering. And sometimes people, when they're living in it every day, they don't realize how much the stager has to do to get their stuff out of the house. And their stuff, a lot of times, is a turnoff for prospective home buyers. Right. It's a distraction. It clutters the space. It doesn't mesh with the buyer's um, you know, decor preferences. So the stager has to not just stage the house from a blank canvas. But they've got to like, you know, wipe off all the paint off the canvas, <laughs> right. okay, yeah. and then repaint the canvas. Yep. So it so it can be time consuming. And and look, here's the deal: every house is different in terms of the decor that's needed, the colors, the layout. Um, have you tried to buy furniture in the last yes. six months? It's a nightmare. It, it it I I went. We were looking for a new bedroom set, and the first place we went, I won't even name the company name. They said, "I just want to let you know right now, pretty much anything you see out here on the floor is four to six month lead time." Yeah, and we we're just like, well, I bought okay. I bought I bought uh, recliners and like movie chairs for my for my home theater, and it took four and a half months yeah. before they finally showed up. And that got pushed back like twice. Originally, it was going to be like November one. I finally got them on like December twenty seventh. Yeah, so. You know, so so in essence, the stager is up against a lot of problems today. They're you know they're they've they've got to find stuff that's in stock. They got to find stuff that matches your decor, and they got to get rid of your stuff. Right. You know, they got to declutter. If you want to help the staging process, to start decluttering your house now. Separate yourself from the emotional attachment to your stuff. The buyer isn't going to like your stuff. The buyer wants to be able to envision themselves living in it. The more branded the house is to you the harder it is for the buyer to brand it to themselves and to see themselves living there because in their mind, they mentally attach and associate the house with you right? instead of them. So in essence, um, a lot of people don't understand you know, the benefit of the staging. I've seen staging. I've, I've looked at houses that I thought were worth $325 and somebody spends $3,000 on staging, they get $350. I mean, I've seen huge multiples of a return on investment for staging. And and again, so people out there selling to, you know, the hedge funds or the offer pads or the open doors, it's all math and science. There's no emotional connection for that buyer. For sure. If the house is really well staged, you can get a premium, just like you can get a premium on a car that's well-maintained or a premium, I mean, really on anything that's well-maintained and in good condition. And people are leaving that money on the table, that extra margin or markup when they're selling to the hedge funds. And look, I, I do it too. Look, I compete with those companies. I'll give you an instant cash offer for your house. I mean, I'll buy it tomorrow. But but I'm going to show you, like here's, just so you know, I'm going to resell the property for a profit after I do all these things. You could do all these things yourself. A lot of people just don't want to do the work. They don't right. want to deal with it. They just want to quick out and that's fine. But for people that are kind of on the fence, really think about you know talking to to a great agent like our company and saying, hey, what can I do? Not just to get the home sold fast, but what can I do to maximize the return? What can I do at the property that maybe doesn't cost me an arm and a leg, but that can improve the value of the property? That's why home flippers exist. I mean, look, you could, you could in essence, kind of 
flip your own house. Right, do it yourself, yeah. Yeah, fix it up, hire somebody, do the work, and you're going to get more money out of it. It's just a matter of how it lines up with your timing, your preferences, and, the, and those types of things. What would you say is the average, I, you know, I'm just kind of curious myself, too, and I have somewhat a loaded question depending on the size, that, but the average yeah. amount someone pays to, to stage a home. I would say, truthfully, you're probably, the average would probably be around like five, six grand. Okay. Some of it's going to depend on how long it's going to sit on the market. Some of it's going to depend on how big and how much it needs. We've had stagers come in and say, look, the house just needs a couple minor touches in the living rooms, but you need this in the bedroom or you need this in the lanai. So sometimes it's it's you know sp- almost like a you know a spot here and there that needs some some touches or sure. some staging. And sometimes the stagers come in and say, "Look, you don't just need staging; you got to repaint some rooms. Yeah. This color is not going to work," you know. And and so those are scenarios where the where the seller has to decide: Do I want to go through the effort of doing these things, or do I just want to get it sold? Most of the time, staging is going to make you money. Yep. It's gonna, you know, it's gonna improve the value. It's gonna make someone be willing to pay that upper level premium of the of the market instead of the average of the comps, which is what a, a, a buyer that doesn't have an emotional attachment, a hedge fund, or you know, one of those companies is gonna want to pay one of those averages that are on the low end of that average. Where you can get a premium on the average is when you show a really well presented home. Um, number one on the staging list, though, that a lot of people miss. And this doesn't matter if you hire a professional stage or not. Your house needs to be clean. Yeah. I mean, it needs to be clean. If you got if you got kids that leave a mess, you got to clean up before it gets shown. If you got a dog, you got to understand that when you're selling your house, if you want to put more money in your pocket, it's, it's kind of an extra job for a little bit. You know, you got to clean up after the kids. You got to you got to put the dishes away. Yes. You got to make the bed. Yes. Um, because if people see even a well sh- even a well staged luxury house and they see you know disarray. Now look. I'm not saying somebody's going to get turned off because you forgot to make the bed, okay? But but if there's if that's in addition to the kid stuff everywhere and fingerprints smeared on the wall and the the appliances in the kitchen's all smeared to death and dishes everywhere and those counters are sticky, you know you, you've got to pay attention to those things because again, consumers that are buying a home, they're buying a lifestyle. Mentally, psychologically, they're looking at this and they're wanting to be emotionally attached to to a home. Right. All of those things turn that off for the consumer. So the cleaner the house can be, the less problems where the consumer thinks the home has. If they think you don't clean your house and it looks like you haven't cleaned or dusted your house or cleaned your floors in like three months, they haven't changed the AC filter, so I'm going to have to service the AC. They haven't fixed this, so I'm going to have to do this. They haven't updated this, so I'm going to have to do this because clearly it looks like they don't take good care of their home. Yep. And so the number one step of staging is, is cleanliness, You know, cleaning your home and scrubbing it. And I think today, look, there's a lot of people that are germaphobes. It's even more so with COVID. Oh, yeah, people but- are super conscious about it. So if they think your house is dirty, that's going to spook them. You know, yeah. it just really is. So, um, so again, you're listening to the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show here on WFLA News. Can I switch real estate agents after I make an offer on a house? That was one of the articles. This yeah, week. this is a I, really I saw touchy. That one. Great question. So, so here's the thing. Okay, every contract is different. All right, every real estate company has different contracts and forms that you can sign. So this isn't legal advice. This is going to be more of a, um, you know, a general. Um, you know, kind of statement because you need to review the contract and agreements with your, um, you know, real estate agent. But if you make an offer on a house and the house offer is accepted and you're under contract, you can't change agents. Right. 
That agent has procured the sale. They've earned their commission. A lot of people don't understand that the only obligation for the real estate agent procuring their commission is showing the home and then getting the home under contract. If the home, if the real estate agent vanishes, is it good service? No. Is it going to get a bad review? Yes. But does that listing agent still required to pay that real estate company the commission? Yes. Even if that person vanishes for a month, they're still required to pay that commission. Wow. It's, uh, the MLS commission that's listed is binding. Can you make, can you switch agents if you made an offer and it's not accepted? Yes. However, caveat here. Some companies offer or require you to sign a form that is an exclusive buyer brokerage agreement. Okay. Most of those are cancelable in writing. The best advice I could give you if you're going to switch real estate agents to prevent um, any legal problems you know, later on, notify the prior real estate agent that you're choosing to cancel any agreements and not work with them anymore. Sure. Um, it's very you know, it's very rare that a home buyer is going to put up any kind of deposit with a real estate agency. I can't say it never happens, but it is super rare. So the likelihood is that, yes, you can change real estate agents if you've made an offer on a home and it's not accepted. Should you? That That's a debatable question. I think it depends on what the agent did or didn't do. Right. Uh, the agent's level of service, what your relationship is with them. I mean, that's a it's a loaded question. I mean, you, we could talk. We could have a whole show about when you should or shouldn't switch real estate agents. Yeah, and I, it, it, I guess this is a question, not a statement, but our buyer's agreements don't seem to be as prevalent anymore. No, they're not. They're, they're really not. They're, they're, they, they turn off the consumer. They're just not prevalent. I can't say they, that they don't exist because they do. Are there um, times where it happens? Yes, but it, but it's very rare. Yeah, that's a, And okay. so so the reality is, is that all you really need to do is just let the agent know that you're not going to work with them anymore and, and you should be good to go in lieu of, some sort of separate legal agreement that they've that they've had you sure. sign. Um, now, here's the key, though. Okay, this one gets a little tricky. If you make an offer on a house that doesn't get accepted, okay, and then you go back, and then you want that house with another agent, then it can get very tricky. That, okay? yeah. Because technically, that agent has the prior agent procured you and brought you to that house. That's where some of the legal arguments in real estate happen about procuring cause about whether which real estate agent should get the commission. And there's no tried and true rule to it. Every case is every situation is unique. But the best advice I could give you is if you're going to switch agents, um, make sure that you let the other agent know and then move forward with the new agent. And, um, you know, and, that, and that's pretty much the easiest thing to to do. But buyer brokerage agreements, very rare. Yeah, I didn't I, I don't see them very often anymore. So that's I figured that wasn't the norm. Yeah. anymore. So, um, and, you know, we're going to cover the last question. Can a buyer inspect after the break? Can a buyer inspect a home without a seller's permission? This is a really tricky one. So we're going to talk about this uh, after a quick break here on the Duncan Duo Show. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo Show talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market. And one of the questions is: Can a home buyer inspect a home without a seller's permission? Now, can a home buyer walk through a house that's on the market? Yes. Can they walk through with a with a, a, their contractor? Yes. Inspection takes it to a new level. It's typically why. Um, and, and again, every state's going to be a little bit different. And, and there are a few various real estate contracts in Florida. So, so you know, again, the, the, the stuff I'm telling you isn't tried and true, you know, black and white. It depends on which contract, the, the state, you're, all, all kinds of things, right? So, but can a buyer inspect a home without a seller's permission? Well, first off, uh, you can do anything. I mean, it's just a matter of whether or not what legal, the ramifications but, yeah. are. Can you do it? Yes. Are there people to do it? Yes. 
Are there going to be some negative? I mean, look, you can walk down the street naked if you want. Does that, I mean, you can do it. Does that mean that you're not going to have consequences, that you're not going to get in trouble, that there are going to be problems with that? You know, so. We don't so, suggest that. We don't way. suggest that one. No, <laughs> we, we, we strongly advise against that one. Um, but in, a, in, in the state of Florida, typically you're going to need to be under contract with escrow put up because what happens is what if that inspector damages something? Right. The escrow deposit that's put up and the uh, information about the inspector that has insurance and has all these things, when it's disclosed, that makes the seller feel comfortable that if something goes wrong, there's, there, there are ramifications and, and the inspector has to return the prop contractually. The inspector has to return the property to its uh, to the same state as it was prior to the inspection without some sort of agreement. Um, you're definitely floating along the lines of violating, um, uh, you know, a lot of things that, that a lot of legal steps that could get you in some legal hot water. If you've not gotten the seller's consent to, you know, it's no different than a contractor showing up and deciding to work on a fence for somebody, right? You know, a, an inspection does require the removal of certain things that that homeowner needs to consent to. Uh, if a contractor shows up at someone's house and just starts working on the fence, uh, and then send someone a bill, it's a problem. Yes. You know, so so in essence, you really do need to have the seller's consent for an actual inspection. Now, can you walk a property if you're show if it's being shown? Can you, you know, can you look into some things? Yes. But if you're um removing things, getting into attics, right. you know, you're risking damage. Yep. And that's in essence where a seller, in my opinion, needs to have um Permission, because anything other than that could be considered trespassing. I mean, there's there's a lot of legal steps to get involved, and it's why real estate agents consistently tell customers that if you want to do an inspection, you need to be in a contract on the house. Right. Yeah, Otherwise, sure. the seller is just not gonna not gonna be okay. And with the it, article so. says professionals know not to trespass, right? I mean, the the, yes. the people that that are gonna work with your company or our company yes. and everything else, they're they're gonna know that they need the permission to do. They're, yeah. they're not gonna just now. Show are there up people? And, are there rogue inspectors or contractors course. that go out on a home that's vacant and do things like that? Yes. I've had some horror stories though, and this this is gonna this is gonna be a word of advice to home buyers that are contractors or inspectors themselves, or inspectors that are rolling the dice and helping people inspect homes when they're not under contract. There are cameras everywhere. Yes. Everywhere. We have a client I'm not kidding you. We have a client that um had a camera in their attic. Wow. And somebody went into the attic during a showing. And that's a no-no, you know, I mean, that, that's no-go zone right there. So, so you, you, you just, cameras are everywhere. Like big brother is watching. You're not going to be able to do this stuff and get away with it in this day and age. There's just too much technology. Don't do it. Get the seller's consent, ask for, go under contract or, you know, or don't, but if you don't go under contract, don't, don't try and, you know, risk damage to a home or do things that you're not authorized to do. Yeah, and most of the time, I mean, if a seller wants to sell the property, they're going to allow you to inspect it once it's of under course. contract, right? They're gonna, they want, but, but they're not going to allow you until it's under contract, right. logically, because if you damage it, then they have no recourse. If right. there's a contract and there's a chain, and they know who the inspector was, the inspector's sure. got insurance, and there's an escrow deposit. I mean, there's all these things, right? There's an escrow deposit that's put up that's insulating them. Um, then, you know, in all my years, though. Um, you know, in all my years of uh, selling homes, a couple billion dollars, thousands of home sales, I can count on my hand the number of times that an inspector has caused any kind of relevant damage. It's 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 super yeah, rare, but it happens. You know, they step through a ceiling, they they fall, they break something. So it does happen. You know, even though it's super rare, 
And and so again, that's why sell those rare circumstances are why sellers are saying, hey, look, no, you've got to go through these proper steps. So so again, you've been listening to the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show. When we aren't on air, make sure to follow us. Um, we are at the Duncan Duo uh, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. We actually have some really cool giveaways. If you're a um, if you're a Tampa Bay Lightning fan, make sure you are following us on socials. We've got some uh, T-shirts, some um, Stanley Cup champion T-shirts that that we're going to give away. We've got some signed Lightning memorabilia that we're going to give away. So if you're a fan of the Lightning, um, or you're just a fan of learning about what's going on in real estate, um, you can check us out. We, um, you know, we we've been putting out a lot of content lately at the Duncan Duo uh, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. A cool TikTok video um, that that I just did, which is kind of funny about people buying a car. Um, the other mistake that people make is furniture. Yes, so, furniture is a low, big one. Zero percent. I got a great That's deal right. on some, and oh, then they man. can't afford their house, and their mortgage gets declined, yeah. and now they're stuck with furniture that <laughs> yeah, doesn't yeah, fit yeah, in their yeah, apartment. Yeah, right. So, um, lots of cool educational stuff on there. So make sure to check it out. And last but not least, if you are a real estate agent and you didn't have the 2021 that you wanted to, you didn't make that six figure income, you didn't sell the 40 homes that you wanted to sell, and you're looking for a change. We're in massive growth mode. We're looking to add agents to our team. We've got some new initiatives that we're working on. We've got a couple developments that we're working on. So if you are um, interested in, uh, you know, a, a new place, you know, uh, you know, you, you don't feel like you're getting the success you need to place you're at, or if you're looking to start a real estate career, join theduo.com. You can register for our career night. It's the second Tuesday of every month. You can also apply for all of our open positions there. Again, that's jointheduo.com or Send, a, send us a message on any of our social channels and we'll reach out and help you uh, get coordinated and get set up. But um, definitely excited about the new year and excited about some new talent coming to the team. So check out jointheduo.com and have an awesome rest of your Sunday, Tampa Bay. Thanks for tuning in.